Good morning. I hope there are at least some uh, basketball fans out there watching today. Uh, some of you are going to know that there is a well-known basketball player in the NBA that is known for taking a Sharpie before every game and uh, with that Sharpie writing onto his shoe somewhere the words, I can do all things. And often it's also accompanied by the reference, uh, Philippians 4, verse 13. Some of you know the player's name is uh, Steph Curry. He plays for the Golden State Warriors. He has won several NBA championships. And at least two times he has been voted the NBA's most valuable player in a given season. Many analysts have called him the best shooter in the history of the NBA and because of his stardom um, he's actually endorsed by Under Armour and Under Armour actually sells a basketball shoe that has those words written in them I can do all things and it's the penmanship of uh, Steph Curry himself which they've got engraved on the inside of those shoes Steph Curry started his little ritual back in his college days, and he has done this before every game in his NBA career, which is right now going into its 12th or 13th year. Mum challenged me, he said, to find a Bible verse that I could rely on to give me strength, give me a sense of purpose, and to remember who I'm playing for every time I lace up my sneakers. He chose Philippians 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I've been doing it ever since, he says. So I don't know how many sneakers I have written it into, but it always reminds me of, you know, why I've been blessed with these talents and where I get my strength from and who I'm playing for. I'm not sure that this was the original intent of the words when Paul wrote them in the book of Philippians back in a Roman prison cell as he was waiting his, uh, awaiting his sentence, which was likely going to be a death sentence. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not critical of Curry or any other sports figure, for that matter, you know, who have verses or sayings that help to kind of fuel their lives and motivate them. Even when those verses are sometimes taken out of context, actually, I think we kind of, we all do that often. I actually think that God is totally okay with that too, because I believe that God's word is alive and that it ministers to us and that it brings life wherever it goes, even when it is taken somewhat out of context. And so don't misunderstand me when I you know, preach today that I'm trying, that I'm being critical of Steph Curry or anybody else. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, but sometimes it is a healthy exercise to stop and to take a good, you know, honest look at some of these life model verses and actually allow the context to bring added depth or, or added meaning to these verses that we sometimes use somewhat 
out of context. I remember Jesse doing that with one such verse back, I think it's almost a year ago already, Jeremiah 29.11. Uh, again, it's a verse that is kind of a life model verse. Many have used the promises in that verse kind of as a comfort or as an assurance. It's, it's kind of a life model verse, well known to a lot of people, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Great verse, you know, great assurance, great promise, and, and Jesse dug into it, and, he, and I would say he helped us to understand that the promises in that verse are actually far bigger and more inclusive and more complete than than how we have often used them in the in the immediacy of our personal lives. There are a handful of verses like this, I would say, in the Bible that, that kind of spring out and that are that are extremely well known and used by a lot of people, um, sometimes believers and non-believers. And uh, Jeremiah 29, 11 is one of those, John 3, 16, and then there's a handful of others. And along with these kind of very well-known verses, we have Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, the verse that will fuel our discussion for this morning. Jesse has already been leading us through some of the key thoughts in this book of Philippians. Last week, he specifically highlighted chapter 4, verse 5, let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. And it just seemed like that verse and the way in which Jesse, you know, explained it to us and opened it up for us, it seemed like it resonated with a lot of people, me included. I especially enjoyed how we were able to kind of celebrate uh, together as a church. That's how it felt to me as Jesse was preaching and, and we were adding some comments. We were able to celebrate the gentle uh, uh, heritage that we enjoy in our church family. We had leadership meeting this week and uh, we worked hard together. We discussed some controversial things together, some tough things, but when it was time to leave and Pearl and I were, were locking up the church, by the way, we had leadership meeting all together in person, which was a fantastic treat by itself. And so Pearl and I were locking up the church and, and getting into our vehicle to leave. And I said to her, how is it that we are so blessed? See, we have such an incredible leadership team, the people, you know, on your leadership team, the people that you have chosen to be on your Pleasant Valley Church leadership team. They're not perfect people, but when we get together, there is a spirit of humility and gentleness and graciousness and submissiveness that is an absolute treat. Well, we have a wide variety of opinions there. It's not that we all think exactly the same or believe exactly the same, but when people speak and when they share their opinions and their thoughts, they do so from a place of humility and gentleness. We are so incredibly blessed. And I'm not saying this to, to brag here this morning, uh, because as we're going to see as we go through and study this, this verse, there's a source where this all comes from that... Um, that we do not, that does not allow us to take the credit for ourselves. Some key words here in Philippians 4.13, through Christ. So we're going back to Philippians chapter 4 again this morning. Uh, honestly, 
I would love it if you would take the time to go and get your Bibles. I, we really want to just pick out some, some lines in there, and, and we want to work together, moving us towards chapter 4, verse 13. And, and so please, uh, take a minute. I'm going to wait just a minute here. Take a minute to go and get your Bibles right now and, uh, and follow along in, in Philippians chapter 4. I, I'd love for you to do that. So go, go, yep, right now, go and get your Bible. I'll wait for you as you do that. Actually, while you do that, bring along a pen or a highlighter or something so that you can maybe jot a note or underline a few words in your Bible also. So Bible and pen or highlighter, go for it. Yeah, I'm waiting. So Jesse told us, you're back? Good. So Jesse told us uh, last week that as you get toward the end of the book of Philippians, uh, it almost seems like Paul is realizing that he does not have a lot more time left to be saying or teaching the things that he needs to or wants to speak. And so he's just kind of letting it all hang out. He's just kind of giving it, um, um, uh, you know, statement after statement. And he's he has this barrage of amazing qualities and concepts and challenges to live godly lives that just kind of come, come rolling out. If it's true, as scholars believe that Paul was dictating this to a scribe who was then trying to write it down, I, I kind of feel sorry for the scribe, honestly, because I kind of see this picture of, of Paul just dictating, and the scribe is just feverishly trying to write this down, and, and his, his uh, arm is starting to cramp up, and he's trying to shake it out in between, and he goes, wait, 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 and he's trying to just get this all down, because Paul is just going hard and letting it all hang out and speaking sentence after sentence, truth after truth, as the scribe is trying to feverishly get it all written down. I think the line that Jesse used, and I kind of liked it, it resonated with me, it was a kind of cool uh, uh, word picture. Jesse spoke of it as a, a shotgun spray of challenges in short single sentences. Now, I, I thought that was pretty amazing for Jesse to come up with that kind of word picture. I don't see Jesse as a guy, you know, running around in his backyard with a shotgun and a redneck kind of a guy. And so, Jesse, way to go. Uh, it, it, it connected a shotgun spray of, of huge challenges in short single sentences. Way to go. This morning, uh, I want to pick out of this shotgun spray of challenges and truths, I want to pick out several what we are going to call human impossibilities. Human impossibilities. Challenges that Paul gives us that are humanly impossible. Now, some of them have already been highlighted in, in previous messages, and so I'm not going to dwell on them long, other than to just mention them as human impossibilities, so that we kind of build this, this stack of human impossibilities, and then from there, it's going to it's going to create a bit of a landing spot for us with this Philippians chapter four verse thirteen verse. And so, work together with me. Uh, here we go. Uh, first of all, identifying human impossibilities that Paul kind of sprays out here at the end of Philippians uh, in chapter four. So the first human impossibility is this. Rejoice when you're in prison. Uh, rejoice 
when you're in prison. Maybe, maybe it's a verse that's almost as well known as chapter 4, verse 13, as chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Too short, concise, leaving little to the imagination kind of sentences that Paul gives here. Now, where is Paul when he is writing this? He's in prison. Uh, Jesse spoke about this earlier, and so I'm not going to add too much other than to remind us quickly again that rejoicing is not a natural human response to being in prison in your life circumstances. Stop for a moment and do a little life inventory. I believe every single one of us has been in in prison life circumstances. Maybe for you it was the death of a loved one uh, and the days following, time following. Sickness with many, many unknowns. Uh, financial upheaval. Uh, relationship struggles and difficulties. On and on. Uh, sometimes even at certain stages of life, even just the, the daily grind of normal life feels like you are in prison. So whatever your um, in prison life circumstances are, let me just remind you, as if you need reminding, it is not natural to rejoice when you find yourself in prison. And so this becomes the first in our little list of human impossibilities. This is not Natural. This is not normal. This is not earthly possible, humanly possible. So first, human impossibility. Second, human impossibility, non-natural way of acting. Uh, chapter 4, verse 4 was the first one. Chapter 4, verse 5 is the one that Jesse spent considerable time with last Sunday. Let your gentleness be evident to all. In the face of a climb the ladder at all cost, hungry for power, competition-driven world where you get stepped on and you get ignored and you get shunned and you get cut off and you are forgotten and you find yourself at the back of the line or the back of the list, Paul is challenging me to be the kind of person that will let his gentleness be evident to all. Friends, uh, I can do that. When I'm at a leadership meeting where everybody else around the circle is living with the same kind of principle, not that difficult. I can do that when I receive a phone call that I've been bumped up the list, which of course means that others are being bumped down. I often wonder about the Christianness of celebrating that as an answer to prayer. It's a topic for another day. But let's just say gentleness to all is not a normal way to do life in this hard-knock world. It is earthly, humanly impossible. And Jesse helped us to see some of that last week. Human impossibility number three. Another pretty famous verse, actually. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, 
will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, it says right there, transcends human understanding. This is not humanly possible. It is not earthly, normal, or natural to be able to experience God's peace in your heart and mind when you are anxious. And in this day and age when many of us have, you know, some level of experience with with anxiety and mental health, um, we would have to admit, no, this is not humanly possible. It quite simply doesn't work naturally that way. And yet, person after person who has experienced that pain and darkness will give testimony to the fact that somewhere, somehow, in the middle of the darkness and anxiety, there was something there that I was able to hang on to. I have sung over and over during some very dark mental times in my life. When the night is holding on to you, God is holding on. To be able to experience heart and mind peace when anxiety is threatening to take you under, that is not normal. That is not humanly possible. It is human impossibility number three in our stack that we're building here this morning. Keep going. Into verse 8, human impossibility number 4. Human impossibility number 4. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, what is the human impossibility here? Let me say it like this. To keep your mind and thoughts focused on the good and the right and the beautiful and the pure and the true and the right in a dog-eat-dog world that is full of negativity and bullying and shaming and endless cowardly social bashing on the media or in the media and shameless nudity and it's all about me, selfishness. In a world like that, to keep on thinking about beautiful and pure and true and right and positive and good and excellent, that is not normal. That is not earthly, natural. That is a human impossibility, and it always has been. We would like to think sometimes that our world is worse than it has ever been before. You know, this is a bigger challenge than it's ever been before for us humans that are living now. And uh, I don't think we're actually that special. I think we're doing a disservice, actually, to our ancestors and the people that have gone before us when we think that way. Oh, yes, yes. Don't get me wrong. We have huge challenges in our world. And <coughs> excuse me. Maybe I'll have to get Carl Stevenson to go get me some water. <coughs> I'll be okay. 
And we do live in a negative and impure and ruthless and degrading world, but this is not a new phenomenon. Study history and you will have to agree. Remember that. But that doesn't make it less hard. That's not what I'm trying to say. It just means that it has always been hard. And to be positive and upbeat and captivated by true beauty and focused on purity and that which is right is not natural and it never has been for humanity. It has always been humanly impossible. I don't want to overdo references to COVID, but the negativity and the self-righteousness and the bashing that has happened between friends and between fellow Christians and family members and toward government and simply between fellow human beings during this time is shameful. It is very natural and normal and easy to join in the negativity and the bashing and the perpetuating of half-truths. Lots of that. Joining in with all of that verbally and mentally is very easy and natural and normal. Some of you saw my little post this past week. Of course, I simply borrowed it from somewhere else. But I was blessed by your responses. It just so resonated with me, particularly because I've had to make some personal choices about how much news I watch or listen to. And I have been hearing from quite a few of you that you've actually also had to make some choices and some decisions in the last while about how much news you watch and how much social media you engage in, uh, recognizing that it is beginning to affect me, us, you, um, psychologically and spiritually. It is challenging this challenge that Paul is giving us here. Here's how the first little part of that post went. It's attributed to Andy Stanley. Now, I do recognize that often these types of posts on social media are not attributed or, or, or given the correct uh, identity. But here's how it starts off. Sometimes I just want it to stop. The talk of COVID, the looting and the brutality, I lose my way. I become convinced that this new normal is real life. And then I meet an 87-year-old who talks of living through polio and diphtheria and the Vietnam protests, and yet he is still enchanted with life. He seemed surprised when I said that 2020 must have been especially challenging for him. No, he said slowly, looking me straight in the eyes. I learned a long time ago not to see the world through the printed headlines. I see the world through the people that surround me. I see the world with realization that we love big. Wow. There is someone that has learned to do what Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 is speaking about. To see and celebrate the positive and the pure and the excellence and the right and the lovely. Sad to say that's not natural in our world. Sadly, we are at a place in our world where it is no longer the mandate of any news channel to report the objective facts. They're all trying to sell stories, and sadly, they have all become consumed with advancing certain ideologies and agendas. And for some reason, good news doesn't do a very good job of either of those. And so at best, 
regardless of what news you are watching, you are getting distorted truth from a negative angle. It is very hard, can I say humanly impossible, to remain positive and upbeat, focusing on the beauty and the excellence of this world, all while keeping a pure mind when you spend a significant amount of your time listening to that world. Human impossibility number four. Human impossibility number five. Um, be content. Regardless if I'm winning or losing, succeeding or fall, uh, failing, at the top or at the bottom, be content. Again, this is, this is I'm going to say, humanly impossible. Listen to verses 11 and 12 here in Philippians chapter 4. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. One commentary put it this way, Paul's aim here is contentment, not achievement. Maybe we could say Paul is advocating that contentment is achievement, the ultimate achievement. Rather than envisioning all that he can accomplish, he is focused on his heart response to his circumstances, whether those circumstances are favorable or not. It is about an attitude of the heart or a posture of the heart. And friends, don't be fooled. Don't be fooled into thinking that contentment is only challenged when one is experiencing the negative or the downside of life. Not at all. Actually, both poverty and prosperity, and I'm going to say everything in between, comes with serious contentment snares. Seems like we are humanly wired to see all the things that we don't have rather than all the things that we do have. And so regardless of where I am in life, that, that human tendency is real. Seems like true contentment is humanly impossible to attain. It's not a natural human way of thinking. And so Paul says, I have learned. I think he's saying, this is not normal. This is not natural. It is something that he has allowed the Holy Spirit to teach him. Renewing of the mind in response to the tendency by athletes to use Philippians chapter 4 verse 13. The next verse here where we're, where we're, where we're going to be landing, Philippians chapter 4 verse 13, as kind of a self-motivator, one commentary says this. Had Paul applied this to athletes, he might have said it like this. After training my guts out and giving my all on game day, I can live with the results. Regardless of what's at stake, I can play by the rules. Win or lose, I can genuinely treat coaches, officials, and fellow competitors with love and respect. I can express gratitude regardless of the outcome. All because of the strength I possess as a follower of Christ. And so we have this, this stack of human impossibilities, five of them we've listed here, or we should say five of them we've identified here. Paul has listed them. 
His readers, I, I, I can kind of see his readers, they're tracking with him and his barrage of thoughts and challenges. And they're kind of thinking as he keeps going, you know, this way of living that you are challenging us to is absolutely and totally impossible. You know, I, I might be a pretty good person, but there's no way that I have what it takes to live like you're suggesting here in this world that I am living in or we are living in. It's humanly impossible. And Paul goes, exactly, exactly. And then he speaks Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. But I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. See, this I can do everything phrase, it refers to being able to do things and experience things in our Christian journey that are not natural for us humans that are humanly impossible, ways of thinking that are not natural or normal, ways of acting in the face of certain circumstances that are not natural, that are not normal, that are not humanly or earthly possible. It is not natural to rejoice when you are in prison. I can do that through Christ. It is not natural to be gentle when I feel like I am in a, in a dog-eat-dog world. I mean, where is gentleness going to get me? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It is not natural to feel peace in my mind and heart when my life is in turmoil. I can do that through Christ. It is not natural to think about positive things and see the excellent and the praiseworthy when there is so much negativity and garbage and untruth that is all trying to grab my attention. I can do that through Christ. It is not natural to be content when all you ever see is how amazing everything is that you don't have. But I can do that through Christ. Because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Through Christ who gives me strength. Not me. There is so much out there that tries to, to pump us humans up. You have got this. We can get through this. We can do it. You can do and be whatever you set your mind to. Part of me says, way to go. Way to go. I, I like your positive, hardworking attitude and your focus on being strong mentally and emotionally and have a strong willpower and making things happen. Way to go. But there's a problem. Yes, I can do all things, but not on my own. I am completely dependent on God for my strength and my willpower and my emotional strength and my wisdom and my knowledge and my abilities and talents. And not just me. No, you are too. And not just you, but everybody. Not just those who believe in God or acknowledge God even. Even those who don't acknowledge God at all. Even those who spit in the face of God. We are all dependent on him. We can't get by on our own. Never mind doing these beyond normal things on our own. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Amen.